Good morning. Hey, how's everybody this morning? Good. We're kind of unbalanced this morning. (laughs) Well, welcome to Haven Community Church. We're glad to have you here today. Um, I guess I need a piece of paper. A couple announcements. We're going to just start off with the announcements this morning and then go to singing. So uh, a couple things. I wanted to make a note. Um, if you are interested in learning more about Haven or becoming a member of Haven, uh, sign up out there in the, in the Bell Cafe because we'll be having another uh, 101 class in, in a few weeks. So take a look at that. Um, as you saw, maybe, Judy is out there taking sign-ups for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. You don't want to miss, miss that. That's fun, and it's going to be on August the 9th. So uh, go and check out that with Judy after church if you can. Um, last week, uh, Shelly Bordley announced about the Monarch House opportunity. If you signed up for that and you have more questions, see me today. Uh, if you'd like to sign up to participate, there are still items that are needed. Um, you can read about it more in, in your bulletin here, but um, it, there are still items that are needed. There's a sign-up out in the Bell Cafe as well, so you can take a look at that as well. So welcome. Um, again, if you're visiting with us, we, we're happy to have you. Um, please sign a, what we gave those visitor cards. We'd love to know that you were here, and uh, we've got a small gift for you if you'd like to stop out and back. But anyway, we hope that you enjoy the service today, and welcome. All right, we're going um, to stand up in a little bit and uh, greet one another. I was just uh, sharing with... Um, with people, one of the interesting things about uh, church is um, in the summertime, you can tell it always kind of drops off, right? Remember when you had the standing room only in here? That'll come back again. Um, but one of the interesting things is uh, there actually is a nationwide campaign called Back to Church Sunday. Um, did you realize that? And it is, guess, what, anybody want to guess what the date is? Huh? No, it's not today. Yes. I wish. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Guess. Guess. Anybody got a guess? September what? 21st. Isn't that amazing? Um, that it, I remember as a kid, it used to be from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day was like the time where it was transitional. Anybody remember that? And remember when you went on vacation? How many of you went on vacation and had to go to church somewhere because you had to bring back a bulletin or something to show the Sunday school so you could get your pins. Anybody remember that but me? Um, we had to do that. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's just one of those things that as we see in our society um, that more and more um, God is just an element. It seems to be much of a, an, a, an extra element of our life rather than our life. And um, so we want to pray for this world. And the only thing that's going to change this world is truly a commitment to Jesus. We're excited that you're here. We're excited that people are watching online. So what I want you to do is stand and greet those people that are around you as we worship the Lord here today. All right, um, one other thing. Um, remember last week we had to postpone, but if anyone is um, interested and has any ideas about youth or helping with youth, we have some things that are um, on the schedule for the summer in order to keep our youth involved. Um, and then um, just want to touch base with everybody and see anybody who's interested. That. Please stay for briefly after church so we can get some ideas, see some people who are involved. I do want to say something about the bulletin cover. 
Um, the bulletin cover you see right on the front, um, I pulled that off of Facebook. Um, these paintings were done by somebody who was, I think, in third grade when I started ministry, and she now lives in um, South Carolina, works at Seacoast Church, April, um, what's her real nice name now? I want to say LaMare. Yeah, it was LaMare. It was LaMare. Sorry, April. Sorry, Rob. Knight. April Knight. Yeah, exactly. um, painted those, and I just kind of um, you know, made them a little change there, but it's just great to see somebody who was a young kid serving the Lord and um, doing some awesome stuff in ministry. All right? Go ahead, Wayne. Okay. Who wants to have church outside today? I do. We need to retract our root, Jack. What? Just hit a button and press the root just to get the root yeah. retracted. I, Tom actually put in a church that has a retractable roof, so that's awesome. Oh, yeah? Well, where was Tom when the roof's been put on? I don't know. All right. I'd just like to start with prayer today. Let's just focus. Oh, Lord God, you are awesome. Um, as that uh, countdown said, uh, it's an old song. But thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above other gods. I exalt thee, and we exalt thee. Lord, just in, in our praise, let us just exalt you and praise you. For you alone are God, and we love you. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts and lives with that same power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. You want to sing part of that, Jack? No? All right. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to praise the Lord this morning. And, uh, you know, this song is, uh, you know, if you guys want to have a little fun, you can follow Jill. You know, this song's got some parts where, you know, you might see her waving her hands and some parts where we say, you know, we give you our hands, we give our, you know, when we say give our feet, be careful with your ne- next door neighbor. You know, I know you got some dancers out there. Be careful. Don't kick somebody. Right, Zach? Don't kick them. So, anyway, so it's kind of a fun song if you guys want to participate in that part of it. But, you know, you don't have to. Just uh, just lift your voices up in, in the celebration of God today. One, two, three, four. Give my everything. Take all I have. 
give my life In you, in you I find my peace In you, in you I find my strength
trust you, Lord. I will trust you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord. All right, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We just I want to dedicate the rest of this time, the rest of our lives to you. And God, just fill this place and fill us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, our Shoreline Sunday School children can go. Um, also, uh, middle school will be meeting in the, in, my, in the office, the church office right over here in the back. Okay? Good morning. Um, I'm going to do the prayer request this morning. Um, Debbie D. Virgilio has been doing that, but she had to be taken to the ER this morning. She's in a great deal of pain, so we need to keep her in our prayers. From the greeter team, Gary and Liz, for their health, and so they will get good results, and God will give them a good health report. Suzanne Dexter, thanks for prayers. Grandson, okay, doing well, no broken bones or internal injuries, just some skin abrasions. Um, Brooke Pierce and Abby Mears, Goldie McDowell, family friend is in final stages of cancer. Hospice called in. Pray for her family during this time. Jennifer Legallo, I hope I said that right. Uh, my nephew, Jordan Albert, um, bipolar, tried to commit suicide and now an inpatient psychiatric facility, and his mom, Dolores Albert. And I'm not sure who this is from, but it says, prayer for surgery on foot, July 10th. Is that you, Ray? Okay, that's right. <laughs> and also from Ray, um, Joy, great medical reports from doctors this week. Good. And I have a dear friend who's 92 years old. Her name is Violet Sexton. And she had a really bad fall, and she ended up with 16 staples in her head and her eyes. So just continue to pray for her. She's a tough cookie. She's been through so much. But, um, you know, she's just getting more feeble, and, and I worry about her. Any other prayer requests? Chris? Okay. Vacation in Florida. Well, we'll pray for traveling mercies and that she has a great time.
tell you the things that happen in this building to the point that I have prayed and prayed and I'm just ready to let it go. And as of last Sunday, with the announcement regarding the drugs, Pastor Phil Meekins has gotten in touch with me and they might want to use it as a celebrate recovery place and that would be just a blessing for God because it is full of evil I can't even begin to tell you. Okay, definitely we'll pray for that. Any others? And I should have started with the praises. I'm just nervous being up here. <laughs> Any praises? There's just a lot of things to do. So we just need to continue to lift up Haven and just all the responsibilities and obligations we have because it gets a little um, hard in the summertime. So if we lift that up, that would be great. All right, let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness, your mercies, your love, your forgiveness. We know that you are in charge of everything and your will is perfect. Just help us all to accept your will and your time and, and know that everything will turn out the way it's supposed to be and you'll give us the grace to, to deal with all. We've lifted all these concerns up to you, Lord, and, and just ask that your hand be in each and every one and that um, glory would be brought to you through each and every situation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This time, let us further honor God by receiving God's tithe in our offering. You are holy, you are faithful, you are a savior, you are friend. You are all I ever need, Lord, you are. You are every question's answer. You are every reason why. You are moving, you are still, Lord, you are. And you are the Lord on high. And you are the way, the truth. Oh 
You are comfort, you are refuge, you are love personified, you are kindness and compassion, you are, and you are the Lord on high, and you are the way, the truth, the light, you are the word made flesh. You are the bright morning star. You are, you are my God and my King. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make this offering. You are my God and my King. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make. This offering, you are my God and my King. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make this offering. And you are the Lord on high. You are the way, the truth, the life. You are the Word made flesh. You are the bright morning star, and you are the word made flesh. You are the bright morning star, and you are. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make this offering. You are my God and my King. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make this offering. All right, how are we doing? Okay, I'm going to um, start off with today's scripture lesson. Uh, one of the, um, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Um, as you know, things, um, a lot of times people pop in and do uh, different things. There are peop- so many people that work behind the scenes and do things to make uh, church work. And so thank you to everyone who pops in. And when one cog is out of the works, it, get, it gets a little bit uh, more um, stressful, but I just thank God for the people who do that, so that are behind the scenes. Okay, our scripture lesson today comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. If you have your Bibles, by all means, go ahead and open to those. If you don't, just hang in there. You can check it out on the screen, um, and some of it is in your bulletin, I believe it is. All right, so Galatians 5, 16 through 25. 
So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Um, I love that kind of like debauchery. That covers a whole multitude of stuff, doesn't it? Um, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, uh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I, I, have to ask, say, I have to ask Paul one day, what is the like? I mean, he has a pretty good exhaustive list, um, and I want to know what the like is. So he says, and I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right. Um, we are continuing today our series on the Holy Spirit known as the ghost. And, um, and so I'm, I put on uh, Facebook, I don't know if you saw it, that I really believe today's message is something that is extremely important for Christians everywhere. And I hope you see the same thing as well as we move into today's service. Um, although I, we are going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, as I was reading this week, the Lord actually gave me a verse from the Old Testament to talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's very interesting because often when we talk about the Holy Spirit within an individual or living within an individual, we go to the New Testament. And in doing that, um, it was just really kind of odd that God did, gave this verse to me, but it's a powerful verse that I really think captures a lot of different things that we need to hear. So I'm going to go ahead and read this section of Scripture, and we'll touch on it and unpack it throughout the rest of the service. Does that sound good? All right, because that's what, that's what the Lord gave me this week. So in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 22 through 31. Now, Ezekiel is a prophet um, and a guy who is who's speaking and here's what he says. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. Now, stop. What is happening here is God's people, Israel, have been taken captive. And God is about to promise them some things. They totally forgot about God, could care less about God in their lives. They lived, they did a list of those things that we talked about before. They were engaged in those and many other things and had physical other gods that they believed in and God handed them over to captivity. And at this time he says, he heard the cry and he's going to bring them back. And he says, I'm not doing this for you, but I'm doing these things for the sake of my holy name. I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign God, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. And here's what he says, for I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle, and here we go, here's the crux of what I really want to get to. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart 
of stone, from you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I want to include verse 27 in this. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And this is where we're going to spend time today. Now, um, I was, I had, I came across a, a book, and it's called The Power of Habit. Has anybody ever heard of this? Anybody ever heard of this book, Power of Habit? There it is right there, um, by Chris, I think it's pronounced Duhigg. Um, and it's, it's actually a business book, but it talks about the things in habit. And you see down there, I gave you, I want to talk about the habit cycle. So we're going to try this. Hopefully this will work. And I'm going to write this on the screen, and we're going to see if this works for you. Okay, Melinda, well, let's give this a try. So what we have here, and you have this in your, um, in your uh, text right here, and uh, in, your, in your bulletin. And what we have is we have what he calls... You guys love my first grade writing here, too. What is called the habit loop, all right? Or the habit cycle. Look, okay, I'll put cycle, just to keep everything together. Because if not, my sermon would have been called, get dinner. My, my sermon would have been called Fruit Loop, and I don't think that would have been a very good title. So if I said, this is something all Christians need to hear, and I call it something Fruit Loops, uh, you guys would have been like, what? Okay, so here's what he says. He says that we are creatures of habit. How many of you re- believe that? How many believe we're creatures of habit? That's good, because what he does, he shows from a business sense how a habit is started. And there's three areas to this that are main, and you have this on your sheet. The first thing, he says, is we need a cue. Okay? And I'll explain this in a second. A cue is something that causes you to do something. It's something that works in you. For instance, when you run, how many of you ever, how many of you run or exercise like that? How many of you really like that? I got to tell you, he talks about this in the book. I, when I run, I can't wait till I'm done. And that's happened for over a thousand miles now. And I'm happy about the thousand miles. But I can guarantee you each step of those thousand miles, I wish I was home eating a cheesesteak. I, I hate running. I hate doing that kind of stuff. But I do it, okay? Why do I, I do it? Because it's become, because uh, what I need to do, I need to have the, the uh, cue, and he uses it in business, uh, until recently, and still they do it. You notice how Cinnabon, how many have been, to, uh, been near Cinnabon? How many have eaten a Cinnabon? Okay, there's more people who've eaten Cinnabon than have been there. Um, but where the Cinnabon is, usually they don't put it right in the middle of the food court. It's usually out from the food court. And the reason why is the cue is the smell. You guys are getting hungry, right? You ever smell that stuff? It's really good. And it, you smell that Cinnabon, and it makes you want it. And sometimes, like, it makes you want it so that it becomes a routine. So the cue is to get you to become a routine, all right? And then the cycle continues, and the reason why you do the routine is so that you get something called a reward, all right? And then the cycle continues. Now, this is really, really interesting because what he says is what continues this whole process is what is called a craving. How many of you are coffee drinkers? 
If I had the smell of coffee pumped in here, you would need to get some. Those of you who are coffee drinkers. Because it becomes part of your routine. How many of you have said, oh, it's a bad day. I didn't get my java today. All right? It becomes part of your routine. Why? Because if you feel bad and you, and you know that, you know, some of you still remember that little remember that, the Maxwell House and stuff? You guys are younger than me. I realize that. But then you get the reward of, wow, I feel energized. So you make it a routine in your life, and then you have a craving that exists. And it's really interesting. One of the things that he states in here in his book is he uses the example of toothpaste. How many of you have ever heard of Pepsodent? You know, years ago, he uses this example um, of this gentleman that Pepsodent, how many of you have toothpaste in your house? How many of you use toothpaste? Now, you laugh, but years ago in this country, rotten teeth were an epidemic. And toothpaste had tried, they had tried to get people to have toothpaste. Tried and tried and tried to get people to use this. And there's actually, this guy came out with an ad. I think I might have it here, Melinda. Melinda's doing a great job today with all this different techno stuff. Um, and what he did, he started with a cue. And the guy's name was, um, let me see, Claude Hopkins. He was hired by Pepsodent. And Pepsodent started and gave a cue. And he told all the people whose were, teeth were rotting out all over the place, he said, right here, run, just run your tongue across your teeth. And you, just by seeing that, you all have just done that. I can see you. <laughs> see? And you go like that. And he said, do you feel that yellow film on your teeth? Well, what you need to do is brush with Pepsodent. You brush with Pepsodent and, make, and do it regularly. That's the routine. Then guess what happens? You get a beautiful smile, gleam. And this changed the entire market of toothpaste. Literally, what ended up happening was the cue was the, run your tongue across your teeth. You guys are still doing it. I see you. Um, the routine is the action, brush with Pepsodent. The reward is a beautiful smile. And so what he did, he made it work, and the craving became the reward. As you can see this here, you have the cue, the yellow the yellow film, routine, brush your teeth, the reward, beautiful smile, and people had a craving. Now, everybody, this is nothing new, but why did they keep going on doing this when other people were unsuccessful? Because he created a craving. And what Pepsodent began to do is they began to add mint oils and other kinds of things so that your mouth felt real tingly, you know? And by feeling tingly, it didn't clean any better. It was a symbol to people to say, wow, that's a craving existed in my life, in this habit loop or this habit cycle that exists. This changed people from 7% of the people in the United States using toothpaste. Within 10 years, 65 to 70% of the people were using toothpaste. It was the ingredients, the citric acid and the other kinds of things that were in there. They had some kind of product. I didn't even have a clue was, but people were like, oh, it's got this in it, you know? But it made their mouth tingle and made them feel that way. Now I want you to go back to, your, to, your, uh, to the other thing, and I'm going to draw something new. We have this habit cycle, but I want to erase the habit cycle because you say, okay, Jack, I brushed my teeth today. I'm good. And if you didn't, you guys are feeling really self-conscious right now, aren't you? Um, 
what I believe in my life is that God gives us and we have a Holy Spirit cycle that brings fruit in our life. And the Spirit cycle here The spirit cycle contains three things, and this is what we are going to spend the rest of the day doing. We have, it purifies, it prompts, or he, excuse me, not it, because the Holy Spirit is a person, and this is where we are going to talk about the fruits it produces in us. And this cycle continues. Purify, a purification, a prompting, and a production or producing. And what is, that, what is that craving? Because the craving relies within us. If we have a, here's the D word, desire, a desire in our lives, and this is the important part, a desire through the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus. And so I want to spend time talking about this loop or this cycle the rest of the time. In Ezekiel, so our first thing underneath that is purify. This is what the Holy Spirit does, purifies us. Look at what it says in the beginning of where we shared in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 25 where he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. There is a part where the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we accept Jesus, and that is called salvation. We accept Jesus. We've brought it down and coined it as, I'm saved. But from that process on, there is this purifying process that continues. The technical term that the Holy Spirit does is, the technical term is called sanctification. And sanctification is where the Holy Spirit works in our life each and every day to change the mess that exists here and have us become more and more like Christ in our life. And that, is called, that process, as I call it, is sanctification. Sanctus is the, is the Latin term for holy. I like that term, holy. Look at the person next to you and say, holy. I think I share with you, I, every time I think of the word holy, I think of my grandmother, and Jill's going to start laughing. She, was, she died at 96 years old, and when she was a little kid, she was in school, and she said the word was holy, and somebody had to use it in a, uh, in a sentence, and this guy stood up and said, I got it, I got it, and stood up and said, Mary, your dress is holy. And my grandmother thought that was hilarious, and she laughed all the time. So every time I hear it, I think of Mary, your dress is holy. But... What we're talking about, holy actually means to be set apart, to be set apart, um, to have this difference, this thing that occurs. In Ezekiel 36, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I am calling you to cleanse you and to remove you. You did not care about me, so I let you be caught up in captivity, but I want to pull you back and set you apart for me. And as we um, look at this, there's several different things that we see. Number one is one of the reasons and one of the ways the Holy Spirit tells us that we are set apart or lives in us set apart is told to us in John chapter 16, 
verse 13. And if you look in your, in your bulletins, you'll see that. It says, but when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, how many of you tell the truth all the time? How many of you are good little liars? How many of you are bad little liars? You know, one of, the, one of the interesting things is I can tell, Melissa and I can tell when our kids are lying. Can anybody else do that? And I'm glad for that now because there probably will come a day where I won't be able to. But, you know, it's, it's like dumb stuff where your kids will have, like, pudding all over their mouth when they're little. And you'll say, Who, did you get into pudding? No, I didn't. You know, things like that. Um, and there's times in my life, I know you're going to be shocked that I've told a lie or two in my life to try to get out of trouble, which got me in more trouble because, you know, we're kind of dumb when we lie. Because when we lie, we have to lie and do something else. Or some of us don't think of it as lying, but often we approach things, and when somebody comes to us and we know that something's wrong, we live in a society and we live in a world where people don't want to share what's really going on in their lives, what they really feel to somebody. Like, you, have you ever noticed, have you ever come up against somebody and you've looked at somebody and you know something's wrong with them and they, there's something that they're ticked off about with you? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay. And in doing so, and you go, how are you? And say, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. Everything's great. And you walk away knowing, what did I do now? What's going on there? And that tends to fester, and it gets built up, and it gets wrong, and it gets nasty, and it gets ugly. And, you know, um, and what ends up happening is the spirit of truth often, I, I believe that we, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we, because, you know, as I see, we're supposed to go to one another in love at times and share what's wrong with us. Because every time I've ever had these situations, they've always gotten really interesting. Uh, what, what I see that, and what I believe that these things all are, lying, you can add anything else in there, it's a heart issue. It's an issue of our hearts. And that's what the Lord saw with the people back in the Old Testament and even new. He says, I want to cleanse your heart and remove that heart of stone. And I also want to go ahead and give you a new heart of flesh. Now, what's interesting is usually when we see heart of flesh in the scripture, it's bad. But here God's saying, I don't want you to harden your heart. And what I find out in our lives, when we aren't true with God, you know, because a lot of times we've got stuff going on in our life, and we kind of like think that we got it all together, and we can block out everybody, and we can put the, the good face on, and yet we think we can do that with God as well. And what really ends up happening is we put, end up putting on a cold heart of stone. Anybody ever had a heart of stone? You know what I mean? Like you've been hurt, and you put on this heart of stone. And God says, I can't do anything. You ever tried to mold stone? You can't do it. But God, as he told us, he formed us from the, the dirt and he created flesh and he made that. And he molded Adam and Eve and put them together and shaped them. And so what he says, you know, like you and I can't really mold flesh, but God can. That's the stuff he works with in us. And he says, I want to mold your heart. But when you harden it, I, you, I can't get through to you. And neither can Slain in the spirit, don't worry. Um, and, but a little kid fell out, don't worry, it's good. Um, if we were in Pentecostal church, somebody went, hallelujah, praise God, and kept going. But God wants to shape our hearts and mold them. One of the things I recognize is um, when, I, when I started off ministry, I, I really, really wanted 
I, I thought like, hey, it was me and I was going to be the next Billy Graham and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, you get these delusions of grandeur, you know what I mean, that you think that. And there's reasons like why God didn't allow that and it's because he knows me um, and different things like that. But I remember the week before I started ever preaching as, in my own church, um, my, my uncle was, was a pastor. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. And he said, hey, we have a Sunday night service. Would you come and speak? I said, in Jersey. I said, sure, because, you know, Jack had to get it out because nobody could hear it the way Jack gave it, right? And so there was this, this answer to the call that I was excited about, but also there was probably a little bit of pride, dare I say. Anybody been there? What, that God had. And so I had prepared this sermon. I was ready to roll. I was going in, and I was preaching. It was called about shining like stars. I was talking about, Melissa's already smiling. She knows what's going on. I was talking about shining like stars in, in a uh, depraved generation, and I was, woo, it was good. I mean, I was going to have people just excited for the Lord. And I got to this part where I was going to say, and then you will be, and the scripture says, blameless and without fault. And I was rolling along, and I went ahead and I said, and then you will be blameless and without fart. And I went to correct myself, and I said, fart, again. <laughs> Billy Graham, as all I know, has never farted in a pulpit. But I did, before I ever became a pastor. And I look out in the crowd, sitting like right in the middle, and there is Melissa, my aunt, my mom, and my dad. My dad is like this. Melissa's head's down, and she's just laughing so hard and crying. We had just been married like a week or two earlier. She's just crying. My aunt's going like this. My mom is, is giggling like that. And afterwards, I just put my head down and barreled through, right? And after it was all over, my uncle came up and said, Great job, Jack. You did awesome. But don't fart in my pulpit anymore, okay? You know... And, and, you know, what I, part of what I wanted to do and what I realized in my life is I wanted to be impressive. I wanted to have the Holy Spirit introduce me like James Brown and me come in and go, hey, here he is. But what I realized is God was telling me and has to keep reminding me is, Jack, it's not about you being impressive. It's about you being a blessing to the people I've placed in front of you so they can hear the word that I want to speak to them, not what you speak to them. Because I'll tell you what, God said, as my dad once said one time, I taught a jackass to speak in the Old Testament, and I still do it every Sunday at Haven Church. Because I am God. And that's what I need to do. So God has to purify us from this kind of stuff. And what I want to ask you, I want to ask you this. When, when you're deciding something in your life, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why am I doing this, really? Whatever you're choosing in life, why am I doing this, really? Because that's when the contents of your heart come to the forefront, and the Holy Spirit causes us to go deeper when we ask that question. Why am I doing this really? Like, for instance, why are you in the career that you are in really? Really? Because, you know, why are you in the career you're in? Well, it's a good paying job. It's this and that. No, really? Why are you doing what you're doing? Or let me ask you this question Who did you dress for today? A lot of times we dress up for all kinds of other people. But why do we really, really do that? 
You know, what I find out in my life is I can do the right things with the wrong motives in my life. Let me ask this question. How many have children? Why do you want your children to behave? Really? Think about that. Because, you know, really, I think if we're honest, we want to do exactly what they're doing most of the time. Not many of us want to come in and just sit like this. We want to go, you know, that's what we want to do. But why do we want our children to behave? Is it because we want them to come to know the Lord? Is it because we want them to live a godly life? Or is it because we don't want people to think we're bad parents? What is our heart and our intention? Because what what I'm finding out and what I'm learning and I know, but I need to be reminded, is if the Holy Spirit purifies my desires, there's no need to be concerned about my decisions. You know how many people worry and stress about all kinds of things? Um, Where should I live? What, particularly people who are getting married. People who get married go crazy. What time should we have it? Should we have it? Should I wear this dress? Should it be purple? Should it be this? Should it be that color? Should it be that way? And, and weddings are awesome, but all that kind of stuff is just like, you know, Lord, please let me know where should I get married? God, I got to tell you something. God does not care where you're going to get married. What he cares about is what you're going to do with your marriage. What he cares about is that you're going to have a marriage that is godly and serves him, that you're going to love your husband and love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's what he cares about. And he cares about that if he blesses you with children, that you're going to raise them in a godly manner and trust them to him. He doesn't care whether you get married in a school, in the backyard, down at the beach, or in the Bahamas. And if you do get married in the Bahamas, I do travel. It's all good. But God doesn't care. What he cares about is your heart connected to him in the midst of that. What I want you to do is just pray a prayer. God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. James 4, chapter 2, verse 5, which is printed in your bulletin. I'm going to touch on this very quickly. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong what? Motives. That you may spend on what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world means an enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Whoa, that hurts, doesn't it? Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he, is, that he jealously, jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? There's other versions of scripture that say he envies envies the spirit that he puts in, in, our, in our way and in our path. You know why? Because for God, it's like, I love you with everything that I have, and yet we go ahead and we prostitute ourselves out to every kind of other thing in the world, to our jobs, to, our, to other people, to everything, and we don't give to him the heart that we need and that he desires. And I believe it breaks his heart. And I know that. You know, it's really interesting when Melissa and I were first married, we didn't have a dishwasher. Um, and so if dishes were going to be washed, they're washed by hand. And every once in a while, we, we have a dishwasher now. Um, can't live without it. Um, but sometimes, as it usually happens, it's one of the kids' jobs to do it, and it doesn't get done. And often, Melissa will just get it done, and I'll see her. You know, it stacks up so high that you only get some in the dishwasher, and you start washing them. And at times, I... At times, if there's a couple of them, I'll just wipe them down real quick and put them in. Or sometimes I'll use the dishwasher. The only time I don't like, really use the dishwasher is when it's full. 
You know why? Because I don't want to empty it. Is that lazy? Is that lazy? Yeah, Melissa's like, oh, yeah, that's lazy. Um, and, you know, I started to wonder, you know, it's kind of a, a similar illustration of our hearts. A lot of times we don't want to put things in. We don't want to let God put things in that automatically runs our life because we don't want God taking that stuff out that's in there, you know? And I wonder how many of you are at the sink trying to clean your own life, trying to clean your own heart and make it feel good. And you're hurt and you're depressed and you're upset and you're frustrated and you're trying to wash it yourself and it's not getting clean when you could just load it here. Cast all your dishes on me because I will care for you. And, let it, and hit it automatic and get it and then just let the Spirit unload that. Why? Because we've got, when purification is tough. Probably as I'm speaking here today, um, purification, you're thinking right now about how difficult it is. Because when we purify something, we have to call on God and ask, and he begins to look at the ingredients of our life. So there might be some stuff that's going on in your life that you don't really want God to deal with. And you really don't want him to open your hearts and really start to pull out some stuff because that's painful to deal with. That's part of the purification process. Um, what are the ingredients you're putting in your heart? If you're putting in depressing stuff, guess what you're going to get out? Depression. And so God, God just calls to that. Okay, number, number two in the cycle is prompting. Prompt. And this is, a, this is the area of obedience. Of obedience to God. In Ezekiel uh, thir- 36, 27, which I have in your bulletin, it says, and I will put my spirit in you, and look what it says there. What does it say? And what? Move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If we look uh, in the scripture, in Acts chapter 11, let me get this here. In Acts chapter 11, there's a great account of this, and this is something I get asked about a lot and something that could be a great other sermon series, um, how God speaks to us the Holy Spirit. And this is an occasion where Peter is at this house. And look what it says. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. <coughs> he was kind of in trouble because he was spending time with some Gentiles. And he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners. It came down to where I was. And I looked into it and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, etc., etc. And then he heard a voice tell him, Peter, get up kill and eat. I replied, surely not. Nothing impure or unclean is ever in my mouth. And the voice from heaven said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up into heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped by the house where I was staying. And here's, here's the verse I really want to touch on. 12. The Spirit told me to have no, what? Hesitation about going with them. So these six brothers also went with me and entered the house. Hesitation. How many of you think that there are times in your life that God is calling you to do something and you're not sure and there's a hesitation? Sometimes the Spirit will say, go, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. Um, other times the, the Spirit will do something completely different. And we see this in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. So if you bear with me here at 16, I'm going to start with verse 4. And this is Paul. Paul and his companions are traveling, and they're in the area of Galatia, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. And having been 
look at this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of My- Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, so they passed by Mysia My- and went down to Troas. Stop. Here we have an occasion. The first occasion we have Peter, who gets, who's hesitant about doing something, and the Spirit says, get moving, gives him direction. This account, we have Paul and his other cronies that are going along, and they say, hey, we want to go preach the word everywhere. They start to go in the area, and the Spirit says, stop. And they say, well, we'll go here, and the Spirit says, stop. Why did the Spirit do that? We continue on. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave Macedonia and concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them there. What we find out here is the Holy Spirit will work both sides of the aisle. Sometimes it will stop you from doing something. Other times he will, the Holy Spirit will lead you into doing something. And how do we hear the voice of the Lord? How do we know this is God? You spend time with him. You spend time with him in his word and in prayer and in life. Meditation is something. Meditation is not sitting around on a, on a yoga mat going, ohm. That's not that. Meditation is just shutting your mouth in prayer and listening for God. Because if you're like me, I'm really good about talking in prayer. And it's a one-sided conversation. Anybody else in that boat with me? And God just sometimes says, Jack, I got the answer. Shut up. Shut up and I'll give it to you. And so... That's what we need to do. Just get still and know God. Don't talk all the time. Get to know God's voice. When my kids call me, I know whose voice is on the end. When I call my dad or my mom or anybody else, when I, a lot of times, I, I think I called Wes this week, and I said, hey, what's up? And Wes said, hey, what's up, Jack? You know why? Because we've known each other since first grade. Our voices have gotten a little bit deeper since then, just a little bit. But we know each other. I can talk to several people in this room and know your voice. You know the ones you don't spend the time with the most that you may see once a week and they call you and they act like you know who it is and you're thankful for call ID because you have no clue and you answer the phone like, hey, how you doing? Like, whoa. God, if I spend time with him, I know his voice because he purifies me. He prompts me to obey the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's preventative. Sometimes it it assists us. Sometimes it overcomes hesitation. How do I know if something's of God? By purifying my heart and prompting me. And and I want to say something to young people here. Don't you dare say, well, I'm addicted to this because, hey, you know, the Spirit prompted me to go do that. No, the Spirit never prompts anybody. We like to justify our behavior. But I will tell you, the Spirit never prompts anybody to do anything that is opposite the Word of God. If you want to find out if it's from God, if you're feeling like you're led something, does it match up to the word of God and glorify God and raise Jesus higher, then I guarantee it's from God. But if you want to do something that's all about you and somebody else, I'm going to tell you, that's not of God because God doesn't lift us up. He says the halty will be brought low. Lift him up. Okay, here we go. Everybody good? Let's wrap this up today. Produce or produce. And you know what? It just means growth. And you know what's interesting? Produce is actually the same word as we use when we get uh, groceries from, that have uh, fruits and stuff, and it's called what? Produce. Isn't that interesting? Produce and produce. And so I brought some. Anybody want some bananas? How many like bananas? There you go. 
Here you go. Got it? Oh, yeah, I got some more stuff here. Hold on. Here. Here you go. Pass that back to Nick. Nikki back there. She gives me a hug every day. Okay. Anybody over here want a banana? There you go. There you go. All right. All right. I'm going to save this one up here for an illustration. All right. Um, and there, there's other kinds of things. How many like grapes? Anybody like seedless grapes? They're good, aren't they? Okay, let me pull one of these out so I can use this. I'll start in the middle. You guys can pass them around. There you go. You're like, oh, we came to church and get to eat today. Yeah. All right. Now, let's look at these, okay? Let's see what I, Oh, I'm not done yet because I got another thing in here. How many like apples? Apples? Apples, apples. There you go. Apples. Was it a lost grape? Oh, there we go. Ten second roll. All right. <laughs> Want an apple? Can you catch? All right. No, she didn't like that. Apple? There you go. All right. There you go. I'm going to keep one of these up here. And there's also an orange in here, too. So who likes oranges? Oranges. Don't open them. You'll, you'll spray it on somebody's face or something. Here you go, Joe. You ready? Let's see. There you go. All right. Here you go. Pass these around. There you go. There's some more apples in there. All right. You guys are like, I am so glad I got out of bed and go to church. Now, let's look at some of this. One of the things that's really awesome about fruit is when we talk about producing, God wants to do something with you. He can purify your heart and he can prompt you, but if he doesn't produce anything with you, it's kind of useless. It's like buying a farm cleaning all the weeds off, saying, that's where I'm going to put the crops and never planting and irrigating anything. And that's kind of how many of us try, try to live this Christian faith. Let's look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter um, 36, and let's look at verse 28 through 30. And it's, he says, then, after he says he puts his spirit in you, then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and I will not bring famine. Here we go, verse 30. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of the famine. Now, what is he saying? Well, let's look at this in, in light of Galatians chapter 5. The Spirit stops us in areas, prompts us, and stops us. We just talked about that, right? The Spirit pushes through our hesitation for growth. Because if you realize that verse that we shared, when he led Peter to go with the, with the Gentiles, it was because God was doing a new growth area through him to the Gentile people. When he stopped Paul from going into area, it was because he wanted him to go to another area where people would go and flourish and needed Jesus in Macedonia. And so every time God, the Spirit prompts us, it is for the purpose of growth in our lives. And if we look at Galatians, in the beginning of Galatians 5 that I read to you, there's another cycle, and I'm not going to draw it up here, but that cycle is one of, called the sin cycle. And you've got it good now, you could draw it yourself. Where, we, where the sin cycle... Where we, excuse me, where we have the spirit cycle that purifies, prompts, and produces <coughs> with a desire to be like Christ. The sin cycle perverts desires, prevents obedience to God, and produces death instead of life. You ever bitten into a rotten apple? Pretty disgusting. Anybody ever 
bitten into like an old, mushy, nasty banana. It's pretty disgusting, isn't it? And, and what we look at is God changes this and says, hey, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I want to go through some of these because I believe this is extremely important. Fruit is not achieved by working. Fruit is achieved through abiding and remaining. Guess what? These grapes grow by being connected to the vine. This grew by being connected to the tree. This, these grew by being connected to the tree. It's no mistake that Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I remain in him. That's where our growth occurs through that, through Christ Jesus. Fruit is also fragile. Have you ever, like, have you, you got to be careful with fruit. If you squeeze it, it goes. Anybody want this one? No, right? It's fragile. I think it's interesting that if I sit here and do this, I will bruise this banana. And fruit is also attractive. Isn't it? It looks pretty good. I always think apples look better than they taste, me personally. Um, and fruit nourishes our body. Now, you know what's interesting? If I had this, it was, it was interesting. I was buying this fruit today, and I had my um, Rachel and Hannah with me, and we're in line. I'm getting all this fruit, and I have it in nature. I'm coming through the line, and Hannah goes, can I get some candy? Can I get some candy? And you know what? I like candy better than I like an apple. I mean, we, we're, we're so distorted, we make candy apples. And we take chocolate-covered bananas we got to put our junk on top of what God provided. And, you know, that's no different than in our spirit. When we, have, when we should have love in our life, love is the term, and I'm going to show you this list, love is the term agape that is used here. And it's, it's, it's not a feeling, it's a decision. But usually when we talk about love, we talk about a feeling, don't we, and an emotion. You know, like, we, we relate love to how do I love thee? Let me count the waves. <sighs> but I can guarantee you, if you took time to ask my wife, loving me has been more of a choice in our marriage than it has been a feeling. And I bet you it's the same way in your marriages. And she chooses to love me. And in your relationship, I guarantee you, you have friends and family that you choose every day to love when you really don't like them that much. And I guarantee you that there are things that I do that God hates, but he chooses to love me out of his unconditional love. And that's the fruit that I must bear, the fruit of love. What about joy? The, word, the Greek word for joy is chara or kara, which means a disposition in God. It's not a situational. We go, when we sing that song, because I'm happy, clap along, we're joyful, right? No, we're not. We're joyful when everything else is falling around us, but we still know we have God. That's been joy. I did a funeral for a lady this week, 60 years old, who was at a picnic, who was talking to her sister-in-law, slumped over, and she's dead from a brain aneurysm. There's no happiness there, but there's joy if she knew the Lord, all right? 
peace. Peace is the term Irene. And for those of you who have fame, yes, that's right, Irene Cara, remember her? Her name means peaceful joy. So you can have a tranquility of the heart. It's not that everything works good. It's peace of the heart. Patience or forbearance is the word hupomone. It means bearing or long-suffering. In our society today, we don't want to deal with people that make us suffer for any time, yet a long, long. If you don't believe me, go stand in line at the grocery store and have somebody butt in front of you. Let, have a couple people butt in front of you. I guarantee you want to rip somebody's head off. Kindness and goodness, I'm going to add them together. The term kindness comes from the term karas, which is where we get our term charity. And I got this some, which both of these are very closely related, and they relate so well they mean generosity. That one of the fruits of the Spirit is to be generous. And if you live in the same world I do, I don't see much generosity. I was standing there talking to somebody um, yesterday who was just like, man, I am so tired of people just being rude. I said, it's everywhere. And he said, but it just burns me up how people are so stinking rude anymore. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, we've reduced down to a belief in God, but faithfulness comes from the Greek term pistis, which means reliability. And one of the biggest detriments, I believe, in our world and in our church today is a lack of people who are reliable. You know how many times people say they want to do something and don't? Not in your life. How many of you have had to wait on somebody to come do a job at your house who said they'd be there at a certain time? How many have done that job properly? How many people say in, in, for the Lord, Lord, hey, I'll serve you, I'll do this, I'll do that, and they don't show up? Reliability is something that's dying in our, in our world and in our church. Gentleness. Now, gentleness doesn't mean meek and mild and getting your butt kicked. Gentleness actually has to it that you don't demand your rights, but that you are teachable. And, you know, one of the things I've always loved about people who get a little bit nasty, I had another word in there, and I decided not to use it. The Spirit stopped me. Um, you can figure that one out yourself. Um, they get a little bit nasty in, in, um, in life is when they're, um, they're looking at this thing, and, it's, and they get nasty about church, and they'll leave, and they'll say, well, I just wasn't being fed anymore. Now, I will give you, there are some people, because the Scripture says there'll be people who will feed you junk. And I don't think you should sit there and, and be fed junk. You know, spirit, God didn't give us spiritual fried apple pies from McDonald's, right? God wants to give us good stuff that we can nourish on, the Word of God, right? And if you're not getting the Word of God, and if there's a church that's not giving you the Word of God, then, then don't. Um, then, then there's time for a change, because guess what? We're here for 70 to 80 years, and guess 70 plus to 80 years, maybe 90, 100, who knows, and we need to serve God and connect to the Lord. Um, but what, I'm, what I am saying is, there are some people who seem, that I've run into that say they don't, that, I, I actually had somebody before say that I just don't preach to them. Well, you're darn right I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching the words that God gave me, and often I find out that many people aren't teachable because they know everything already. And if you know everything, you can't teach anybody anything. Guess what? I'm taught every day by the parishioners in this church. I'm taught every day by people that I love and care about. I'm taught every day by my children. Don't you tell them. Um, but I'm taught every day because guess what? They give me a new insight. 
on, on what life is about. I remember when my wife's grandfather, Melissa and I were talking about this, when my wife's grandfather passed away, and, and I deal with a lot of people who die, and at times you get kind of callous to it because you deal with it so much. And I remember Judas sitting there at the table just crying. He goes, my heart hurts. And sometimes we just stop to recognize that sometimes we just need to let our hearts hurt and let God heal it. All right? And the last thing, self-control. Self-control means allowing the Spirit to control our lives. Often self-control is done for selfish reasons. Okay, I'm not going to eat that piece of cake because i got to get in that wedding dress. Or I'm not going to eat that piece of cake because i got to wear a Speedo at the pool this summer. You know what goes on in my house every day. Now, um, this term comes from, see it right there, in kratea. And kratos means strength. That our strength is found within the Lord. How did I start this verse as the praise team comes up? If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step. Let us walk with the Spirit. How do we do that? By allowing God to purify us. By allowing His Spirit to prompt us. And by allowing Him and seeking for Him to produce in us. You know what's really interesting also in life? I find out that fruit grows best when you add a little fertilizer. Got some fertilizer in your life? Got some crap, let's call it that, in your life? Maybe God is just allowing you to go through some of that to bring you to a new area of growth. Just maybe. All right? I'm going to ask that you stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we come to you today and I just pray that you'll allow your fruit of your spirit to just work through our lives as you purify our hearts, as you give us promptings and caution us here and lead us there, and ultimately, God, that we may be faithful that you produce fruit in your life, in our lives, for your kingdom. And so now, God, as we commit the rest of this time for you, if there's someone who hasn't taken that first step of faith to be purified from their sin, to come to know you as Savior and Lord, let them just right now as I speak say, Jesus, I need a Savior. You're it. You're the only one. Wash away my sin and let me serve you and let me, let me just figure out what this whole thing is. For those of us who have committed our lives to Christ, God, we know that there's areas of our life that our hearts that have turned to stone. We realize there's areas that we may have been hesitant about that you've been calling us to that we haven't gone. There may be other areas that you're stopping us and we're frustrated with, but we're not hearing where you're calling us. And ultimately, God, the, the fertilizer in our spirit, we're tired of. God, bring growth through it. Let us know you. As we go to this altar right now, Lord God, work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let the mountains move We come with expectation Waiting here for you Waiting 
the Lord of all creation and still you know my heart the author of salvation you've loved us from the start waiting here for
You know, we have a lot of stuff today and a lot of heavy heaviness in this world, you know, and I'm just thinking about, you know, some of the things we lifted up, you know, and there's a lot of evil going on, like Cricket said, you know, there's stuff that we really got to keep praying about, you know, there's there's so many things to be done, you know, and, and I see so much hurt and, and so much addiction going on, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, God, God's not going to fix it for us. We've got to fix that, you know. It's not, you can't just say, God, fix this. He's not going to fix it without you. He sent you to fix it, you know, and, it, and it's, got, it's got to be done. So keep praying for Cricket and Phil and everything going on in this county because we can't let uh, Satan take over. It's, it's for us. we got to do it. Amen? Let's just sing together. Lift our voices together. There's one church, one heart. Just to you, Lord. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Though we'll see how great is our God. One heart, one mind. How great is our God. Let's sing with me. How great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great. Great you are. The splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. And all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself.
sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Just worship him once again in that chorus and just let all that stuff that has kept your heart hardened, that, that has kept you just from the promptings of the Holy Spirit and going in a direction and, and has frustrated you and any of that stuff that has kept growth in your life, just, just raise them up with your hands and just go ahead and praise the Lord and sing how great is that our God. And as he does, let him change your heart. Let him change your heart today. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great Time, just sing it out to him, all the voices. Thank you, Jesus. Have an incredible week this week, and may the Lord move in you in a powerful way. I'd love to hear about how God is purifying your heart. I'd love to hear how he's prompting you and the excitement that God is doing in ministry. And then I also want to hear the growth that God is doing in your life. Amen? All right, have an awesome week in Jesus Christ. Those of you who are staying after, just kind of gather right here. We're going to have a real quick thing with the youth. And God bless you. Have an awesome week. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an acre for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow No more pain I will Oh